Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing. Uh, well, not recorded at PW this time, but you, you'll you'll figure out what I'm doing here. I'm Calvin Reed, senior news editor. Well, wait a minute, a former senior news editor of Publishers Weekly. I'm actually retired, but you know this is my new side gig. Uh, but I'm still editor of PW Comics World, and I'm still editor of the Fanatic. PW's twice a month comics and pop culture newsletter. Check us out online at publisherswiki.com slash comics. Okay, uh, more to come listeners. We've got a great treat for you. I'm going to be talking with Robert Kirkman. I mean, he doesn't need an introduction, but I'm going to do it anyway. He's a comics writer, screenwriter, TV producer, uh, as well as the co-creator of The Walking Dead. I think you all know that. Others include Outcast. Oblivion song, and more pertinent to what we're going to be talking about today, Invincible, uh, along with his co-creators, the artists uh, Corey Walker and Ryan Hartley, one of the most you know, uh, imaginative, and if I may say so, diverse superhero series, superhero universes of the last 20 years. Robert, welcome to More to Come. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. Did you, did you like that intro? Did I hype it, hype it well enough? I, I I think I have been thoroughly hyped, and okay, I'm good. excited <laughs> to be here. So this is going to be great. That that's what I wanted to do. So first off, congratulations on 20 years of Invincible. Um, you know, it's uh, it's such a great script. Very, you know, um, it, it it's got the the troubled teen hero. It's got complex relationships. It's kind of wacky, um, but it's also got great emotional punch. Uh, it can be very moving, but it, you know, it can be grim. It's got some powerful violence into it, in it as well. So, I mean, uh, if, for our listeners, uh, who may not have read, uh, uh, Invincible, could you give us a little recap on what's the plot scenario? Around. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a coming-of-age story about a guy named Mark Grayson, whose father is Omni-Man, the greatest superhero to ever live. And so it's, uh, uh, you know, it's about him kind of uh, learning the ropes and, and try, trying to follow in his father's footsteps. Uh, and, uh, you know, over the course of the first season, he starts finding out that there might be some dark secrets involving his father that are... You know, not necessarily the ideal kind of thing a kid wants to find out. And, uh, that's going to take things into some pretty interesting places. Try not to spoil things for anybody who's yes. uh, new to it, but I'm sure we will later in the interview. So, uh, oops. <laughs> well, there is a powerful, I mean, part of that gut punch is a powerful betrayal that happens, but, but you know what? That's for us to know right now for our listeners who haven't read the series to find out. Uh, and really finding out is a, it is a great emotional, driver of this series so um uh but let me ask you um to get started and i should say this um there's a bunch of uh, reprint editions that are going to be released um uh do you want to talk about that a little bit before we get into the the series yeah i mean we're doing some fun stuff for the 20th anniversary we've got some hardcover compendiums that are exclusive to comic shops so if you want to get those you have to find the uh that's that's all that's one of them uh we gotta you gotta find a comic shop near you that's uh pretty easy to do you can use the old uh, i like to call google maps <laughs> okay. or you can use apple maps there, that's there kind of map app not quite as good uh, but yeah <laughs> but uh, <laughs> 
But uh, uh, but then we've got a facsimile edition of issue one, which is like a, a carbon copy replica of the first Is-ish issue. That you have black out. and white. Well, there's a black and white one that is called Invincible Undeluxe. That is kind of a okay. suite of Walking Dead Deluxe. <laughs> okay. So for Walking Dead Deluxe, we're repre- we're reprinting a black and white book in color. So it's like a deluxe edition of Walking Dead. But uh, since Invincible was color to begin with, we're doing Undeluxe, which is a black and white version of there Invincible. There you go. Because we like to have fun. That's uh, and then later on in the year, we're going to be doing some new, uh, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, uh, uh, manga-sized uh, Invincible collections. Oh. We're going to have new covers by uh, co-creator Corey Walker, and uh, uh, they'll be kind of uh, repackaging the issues so that the uh, the way the story breaks up in a, in a more interesting way in the earlier trades. So uh, that'll be coming out later and uh, uh, kind of a refreshing of a uh, 20-year-old trade paperback line. Great, great. And because, I mean, there's, there's more than, a, more than a handful of trade paperback collections of Invincible. I counted what, 25 trade paperback editions? 25 exactly. Yeah. Um, feels feels plus, like it's impossible to do that much, but uh, somehow we did. Give the people what they want. Um, and so, <laughs> so, uh, you know, um, okay, you've given us the basic scenario. Um, you know, I, I, I I I I didn't read I haven't read the whole range of of Invincible but I've read well, then this interview is over. I yeah, but I read a chunk of it. Believe me buddy, I look, I've done my homework. I read a huge chunk of it because I I it gripped me the first time I saw it and I I'm kind of curious because I I I want you to bring your your artist co-creators in here a bit. And I'll admit the first thing that got me uh, before I really read the story was was the uh the costume I mean, yeah. it, you know, it, it, that's even uh, kind of an aspect of the story too, where you know, uh, you, you know, creating an iconic costume. So, how did you work together with your creators on this, or how did the, how did these creators actually become the artists that you work with? Yeah, I mean, if you want to envision or uh, you know create from scratch a, a massive superhero universe, uh, you can't find better partners than Corey Walker and Ryan Otley. Uh, you know, they both complete each other in some really, uh, uh, cool and interesting ways that mm-hmm. resulted in like a massive, like, uh, cohesive superhero universe that exists in one title. Uh, you know, stripping it down to the, to the early days, uh, Corey Walker is one of the greatest costume designers ever to have lived. I think mm-hmm. that his superhero designs are instantly iconic. Uh, you know, there's a simplicity to them that makes them universal. Uh, but they, you know, they have like a new flavor to them that's like mm-hmm. kind of revolutionary. Like it's very hip and, and, uh, uh, very current. Uh, you know, his costumes don't look like, uh, uh, you know, superheroes that were running around in the forties or fifties or sixties. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing to be able to work with them. Uh, Corey is somebody that, you know, when Invincible started, I had been working with since, you know, some of the very first things I ever did, I did this book called Battle Pope. Uh, oh, Corey and I met yeah. around. Yeah, you know, the less said about that book, the better. Uh, uh, I'm kidding. I've got I love a copy that. here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, Corey became a close friend and we collaborated on a bunch of different stuff. We were doing a book called uh, Science Dog. We ended up collaborating on a Super Patriot series and then Invincible was the next in line. Uh, and then, you know, Corey, uh, uh, you know, I, I ended up learning to accept that he wasn't a monthly guy. Uh, uh, you know, I spent a lot of years trying to put a, a square peg in a round hole because I love <laughs> collaborating with Corey. And so I was like, come on, man, you can do a monthly book. You'll be fine. 
And yeah, uh, there's a little bit of work involved in that, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, but you know, as a writer, you don't tend to acknowledge how much work goes into yeah. the actual art part of things. I mean, come on. But uh but anyway, so then Ryan Otley had to come on with issue eight to uh to really carry that load and uh you know, and and uh you know, the growth of the universe really expanded under him and you know, he got to do a lot of the like various space stuff and big Viltrumite things that came about mm-hmm. and uh, but you know, Corey stayed involved, and so the three of us really like got to work together. I mean, there's later characters in Ryan's issues that Corey got to design, and you know, there's a lot of stuff that's in issues that Corey eventually drew that was designed by Ryan. So the three mm-hmm. of us really got to kind of tag team, uh, you know, developing and rounding out this universe, and it was it was a great collaboration. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, uh, you know, I I kind of rambled on about some of the uh, the qualities that affected me about you know. Uh, you know, the, the kind of the, the tropes around a teen superhero, the emotional impact. I mean, how did you guys work together on that side of it? I mean, is that all you, this, the, 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 the nature of the character, uh, particularly obviously Mark, uh, the, the father and the mother? Uh, how did you two work? How did, how did the three of you work together on that? If that's how it worked? Yeah. I mean, I, I, uh, uh, you know, work, I work closely with Corey. He and I are usually in the same physical space. Like we share mm-hmm. a studio. Uh, and so, you know, almost for the entire run of Invincible, I would spitball with him and go, Oh, I'm thinking about doing this with the characters. I'm thinking about doing that. And, you know, he might chime in with something. And then, uh, you know, Ryan always lived in Utah. I lived in Kentucky. And then uh-huh. because of the walking dead ended up moving to LA. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd be on the phone with him all the time going, Hey, you know, this is coming up and this is going to be cool. And talking to him about different, uh, you know, massive action sequences and sure. various things and, uh, you know, getting him to say, well, that's going to be hard to draw. And I'd be like, <laughs> yes, don't worry. It'd be great. Uh, <laughs> I've heard about artists working with, you know, with writers and say, so we've got this massive battle scene and you know? I'm sure you can knock it out in the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a hard it's hard work but they don't often consider the glory that they get after they've drawn that stuff you know there you go i'm that, making these people look great uh but uh and that's man that's a big part of visible it looks great absolutely uh but uh but yeah i mean there was a lot of collaboration along the way um but you know at the end of the day uh you know these, these scripts don't type themselves so i i had to put a little bit of finger work on the keyboards which I maintain is sometimes just as difficult as drawing a page, you but know? no one else believes me when I say that. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I support you on that for sure. <laughs> so now launching, I mean, Invisible is a superhero universe. I mean, it, it's not just a series. I mean, it's just an ever increasing uh, cast of amazing characters that are interrelated. I mean, when you launched Invisible, I mean, the, the comic book world is littered with the the remains of failed comic book universes. Sure. Uh, I, yeah, uh, let alone, you've got, you launched one this last 20 years. As we know, there's a TV series, not animated TV series. Maybe we could talk a little bit about that later. Um, how did, can you, can you take us back to the beginning? How was it launched? Um, I know it was launched at Image. Uh, it's a part of Skybound now. All right. I, um, yeah. and maybe you can, Actually, the the relationship between Image and Skybound now. I they, they when yeah. I write articles, they, they my copy editors interrogate me. Uh, well, they're like, "What is this? What's going yes, on?" Kind of, yeah. Uh, yeah, Skybound was the company that I formed with my right. partner David Alpert, and uh, uh, later we brought on a, a super talented guy named John Goldman. 
Uh, it's our company. Uh, it's, it's basically just my, you know, my company that produces comic books through image. I so see. Skybound produces its own line of comics. Uh, Invincible was, you know, essentially moved to that line when Skybound was formed, but there's I not see. like a Skybound shared universe or anything like that. It's not like an imprint, like, uh, uh, Vertigo inside of, uh, DC sure. yeah. or, or whatever. Um, you no, know, that's it's, good to clear, to clarify. Yeah, it's just, it's just the company name that we do things under. And, uh, since its inception, Skybound has kind of grown into, you know, a pretty sizable company. You know, we, we started out just doing comics and, uh, and, and we produced the Walking Dead TV show and we started doing merchandise around that. And as we kept doing more and more Walking Dead things, uh, we just kind of like grew new parts of the company to kind of handle that stuff. And so eventually, you know, we have our own video game division and we have our right. own merchandising division and we have our own TV division. Um, and so, you know, we're, you know, producing this invincible animated series. So we have like right. a whole arm that produces animation now. Uh, and, uh, uh, I don't know. It's, 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 it's a big company that does all kinds of different stuff. Um, okay. but as far as like the launch of invincible, um, you know, it wasn't, we didn't start out to do this massive, complicated superhero mm-hmm. universe. We started out trying to do this cool superhero book that focused mm-hmm. on Mark Grayson and his family. But, you know, as you start to build a world around a character and you work month to month and you add something new, you add another brick to the wall every month, uh, you know, things start to expand more and more and more. And so by the time we got to issue 50, you know, yeah, we have this sprawling, invincible universe that has all these different characters that live within it. Um, but, uh, you know, it was a fairly organic process. And I think that's one of the things that set us apart from, you know, some of those, uh, uh, corpses of, of other comic book universes that you're mentioning. You know, there was no corporate mandate. There was no corporation behind what we were doing. It was all done organically by guys that absolutely love the superhero genre. So every little thing we added was added with care and, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, effort that, uh, you know, like I think solidified things as being, you know, a little bit cool and a little bit more organic. So it didn't seem artificial, I guess is what I'm saying. Did you, did you pitch this to image? Did they come to, did image come to you? Did, how, how did that, how did that happen? Corey and I were doing a book called Super Patriot, uh, for mm-hmm. Eric Larson, who's a partner at Image Comics. Sure. Mm-hmm. And, uh, in, in the process of doing that, we caught wind that they were doing a superhero universe. And, uh, uh, once I heard about that, I was like, we got to be a part of this. And we were very much like fresh off the street, like very new creators that had next to no fan base. And so uh it was very remarkable that they let us be a part of it. And uh funny story, there was a bigger creator that I will that I will not name uh who uh, uh was doing a book as part of this superhero line. And when he saw Corey and I and our book added to the lineup, he said, and I quote, these guys are losers. I don't associate with losers. I'm out. And he left the line. So them adding us ended up costing them arguably a, a, a book from a, a much bigger name. Um, uh-huh. but, uh, well, I tell you, there's nothing like getting a, a good story here. That's great. So, well, I mean, I guess time has, has shown who the real loser is. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but to his credit, we were losers back then. So <laughs> okay, who, well, who could complain? you were losers at the time, but you took care of that. That. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so, were you a superhero guy? I mean, most of your comics, you know, there's science fiction. You know, there's zombie stories. How important was the genre to you? 
Uh, I mean, extremely important. One of the things that I think sets Invincible apart and, and really, I think, led to uh, or at least contributed to its success is that the guys that created Invincible absolutely love superheroes. We we love everything about the genre. Uh, we love all of the uh, silly and ridiculous aspects of it. So everything that is wacky and unusual about superheroes gets put into Invincible, but it's seen through this filter of like reverence. And I think a lot of people that do books like Invincible that are like a modern take on superheroes that can at some time can, can at, you know, at times be seen as deconstructing the genre. Uh, those people do it from a place of like superheroes are not cool. And so I'm going to make them cool or let me show how ridiculous superheroes are because I think they're ridiculous and dumb. And so it's kind of mo- like poking fun at the genre and mocking the genre to a certain extent or trying to elevate it to something that they see would be like lofty or worthy of them working on it. Mm. And, uh, uh, you know, we, we don't, we don't do that. Like we, we, we love this stuff. So, so everything in Invincible is done with love. Well, one of the things you pick up immediately, uh, and I think you pick up that love because you, you, I mean, it's full of what I consider to be homages to really uh, look, it, 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 you exist in a world of Marvel and DC, which has kind of shaped all of us in the, comic book world certainly has shaped me and it's pretty pretty difficult to not look at a character and say hey doesn't that remind you of or that's not quite you know dark wing isn't that what what i is that what i think it is so i assume this was all obviously intentional yeah i mean especially in the case of the guardians of the globe the guardians of the globe are an analog of justice league the same way squadron supreme is or the seven and the boys uh, you know, there's a one-to-one mm-hmm. comparison. That's our Aquaman guy. That's our Here Wonder you Woman. You know, <laughs> yes. that's our Batman. That's our yes. Superman. Um, I like to think that, you know, the immortal being our Superman, uh, he's a fairly unique take on Superman. You know, he's not from another planet. He's not an alien. He's, he's an ageless guy. He used to be Abraham Lincoln. Like there's a lot of elements to him that are yeah, original. <laughs> um, and, and, uh, and that's by design because I knew we'd bringing, we'd be bringing the immortal back. Other characters like Red Rush, Aquarius, War Woman, uh, yeah. we were killing them almost immediately after they were introduced. True. So, uh, <laughs> we were, we were using the analog as like a shorthand to make the audience, uh, identify with those characters. So, you know, if you're killing an Aquaman guy, it's almost like you're killing Aquaman, so you kind of get the feeling of, oh, that was their Aquaman, and he's dead. This is crazy. Like, they killed that guy. Like, holy crap. It gives the characters, like, an air of importance uh, without you having to spend 20, you know, issues, like, like building them up. So so we did that from time to time. Uh, every now and then, though, there are things where it's like people will be like, Monster Girl is like an analog of the Hulk. And it's like, no, I disagree. <laughs> Yes. Well, you know, yeah. maybe the well, skin's green and they turn into a big thing, but the, the character's completely different. Come on. Yeah. No. But that's also now that's a really imaginative character, a little girl that turns into a really gigantic monster when when she needs to. Yeah. You got some great yeah. characters. And I see the similarities to the Hulk. I'm not blind, but that yeah. wasn't the intention. You know, it's like one yeah. of those things where we're sitting around, we're like, shouldn't I color that character green? But yeah. You know, exactly. <laughs> 
Well, let me ask you this also, and I mentioned this at the beginning, the, the diversity of the thing, not to make an overly big deal about it, but it was very refreshing for me from the very beginning to note that, you know, there was a range of characters of all kinds of backgrounds in this group, from the mother to uh, to uh, to some of the superheroes. It was yeah. great. The, the, was this conscious or just like, hey, you know, why not? No, I mean, it's definitely conscious. I think, uh, uh, you know, representation is important. Uh, growing up a, uh, a white kid in Kentucky, uh, completely blind to that, you know, like it, it wasn't a thing that ever entered into my mind. But as I, you know, grew older and became a adult, you start to realize like, oh, every hero anyone had in the eighties was a big white guy, you know? Uh, uh, and, yeah. and it, 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 you know, more than anything, it's a bummer. You know, it's like, like you think about all of these, you know, kids from various backgrounds that don't get to see themselves reflected in any kind of media that they enjoy. Uh, and it's, it's sad more than anything else. Uh, and you know, I understand it was all done for commercial reasons, much more than malice, but those commercial reasons can seem quite sinister in hindsight. Uh, but, uh, you know, anything that we could do to, uh, you know, counteract that, I mean, especially in superheroes, uh, you know, there's a amazing, like history to these things, but it's crazy that there's not any black characters until the seventies and there's like one, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, a, yeah, go on. Yeah. And, 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 and then because of the history that exists in those superhero universes, you have an audience that is resistant to change. Yeah. And so anytime they, try to add characters of color, there's a resistance to, I don't want these new characters. And so then they start changing old characters to different races and then people freak out about that. It's ridiculous. So, you know, that's something that we try to, uh, uh, you know, definitely avoid. Um, and, and look, I'll even say like, I think the comic book was very diverse and I'm very proud of that. Wasn't diverse enough. So we yeah. were able to make it even more diverse when we adapted it into the television series. And, uh, you know, I'm glad we were able to do that. Well, that's a good point to, to jump to the TV series because I've only seen the beginning of the first season, which I love. Oh, my gosh, man. I, I got to catch up, man. I got to catch up. Uh, but, you know, you know, my, my, my wife controls the TV. So I, <laughs> but no, I tell you, and I, I was impressed with the, you know, the, the translation into, uh, to animation. And also that you brought along all of those qualities that I talked about, including the gut punch of some, of some powerful stuff, uh, in, in, uh, that took place in the comics that has been put in the animation. So what was it like moving over to this? I mean, obviously you, you produced for TV before. Um, yeah. uh, what was it like doing the animation series? What can you tell us about that? I mean, it was, you know, it was a lot of fun. It, it was, it was, uh, it happened at a great time. I actually started writing the pilot almost immediately after writing the last issue of the comic. So, mm -hmm. and, and there was like a rumbling as the comic was ending, like, ooh, I think this TV show might go. This is really cool. Mm -hmm. So, um, so as a writer, uh, you know, I didn't miss the characters for very long. It was neat to try to, to get to the end of the story and then immediately start the story again in a different genre. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, being able to work in the animation field, uh, you know, that's pretty exciting because there are certain limitations and things that you have to grapple with when you adapt something into live action. And, uh, there are still some limitations here and there on the animated side, but, uh, it's not the same. Uh, you know, there are different kinds of things, but, uh, to be able to 
match the scope and scale from the comics in animated form uh was really cool and um there's uh there's a lot of things with like motion that uh, uh take up a, a a huge amount of space in comics and so that's why you know fight scenes tend to be fairly short because to show those complicated twists and turns in an action sequence you have to like a, a panel has to be devoted to every movement otherwise you don't see those movements mm-hmm. but when you do things in animation you can do so much more in the time allowed because everything's moving and so it does give us an opportunity to expand on a lot of the things that were that we did in the comics and so you know dialogue scenes you can like have people just rattling out dialogue without worrying about oh yeah. this is going to be too big of a word balloon to fit in a panel um so it gives you a tremendous amount of freedom to uh you know kind of add more nuance add more twists and turns to things along the way so i'm very excited about you know if you watch season one you can see how we took some fight scenes and just kind of turned them up to 11 by adding some more yes. twists and turns and yes that and one never fit into the comics yes well i mean um uh, uh... Guardians of the the Guardians of the Globe sequence. I won't get into it too too much, but you really expanded the the battle around that in great and copious detail. And uh, you know, it's it's a gut punch, but yeah. uh, you know, hey, uh, you know, it's it's a really really great scene. And maybe you can tell our listeners a little bit about the cast because this thing has a great cast of voice actors in it. Oh my gosh, yeah, the cast. I mean, I'm going to forget people. What's it? The cast uh, is Sandra O. Oh, because I, I, I didn't. Yeah, Sandra O., Stephen Young, J.K. Simmons. Yes, yeah, J.K. Simmons. Got, uh, yeah, it's Omni. Yeah, uh, Gillian Jacobs, uh, Zessie Beats. Um, you got uh, Walton Goggins. Um, we got uh, uh, Andrew Reynolds. Uh, you know, we got uh, 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 Gray DeLise. Uh, we got, uh, uh, you know, all, all kinds of people. We got, you know, Kari Payton. Um, we got Ross Marquand, uh, tons of people from Walking Dead. The entire Guardians of the Globe, uh, team was, uh, stocked with, uh, with yeah. Walking Dead actors as like a, uh, kind of a fun meta thing for reasons that I won't spoil. That's, but, okay. uh, but yeah, <laughs> no, it was great getting, you know, Lauren, Lauren Cohan and mm-hmm. Lenny James and Chad Coleman and Michael Cudlitz and, uh, uh, all these people back. It was it was awesome. So I mean, I'm I'm just curious. I mean, how do you go about casting that? Do you do, do people send in tapes? Do you just send them an email? Hey, you want to be in this? What, what's involved? I forgot Seth Rogen is out on the alien. Oh, like, that's that right. Oh, how can we forget Seth Rogen? That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, we worked with a great casting director, Linda mm-hmm. LaMontagne, who has like a amazing reach and, and, uh, uh, you know, great suggestions for characters and things. Um, but I think, uh, you know, Stephen Yun, who plays, uh, Invincible is a buddy of mine from working with him on Walking Dead. Ah, and, uh, I think cool. that being able to cast him early, uh, you know, was a real boon. So then we were able to go, okay, you know, you want to be in this cartoon? Stephen Young's the lead and everybody in Hollywood wants to work with Stephen Young. So I feel like he was the magnet that allowed us to amass this amazing cast, uh, uh, you know, through the desire to work with him. Yeah. All right. Well, I got just a couple more questions now. Um, one thing I'm curious about, I mean, I mean, Invincible has come to an end, whatever that means. I mean, <laughs> I mean, one of the things in comics, of course, is that, you know, you only end things so that you can bring them back. So, <laughs> but I mean, what's that like? I mean, there's not too many uh, superhero series of that has this impact that, you know, has a 
final issue, which you have had. Well, I mean, first off, uh, Invincible played with superhero tropes throughout its entire run. Mm -hmm. And uh, it always tried to turn those tropes on their head. And so I think the fact that every successful superhero story goes on indefinitely, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, new creative teams come on, the story Mm -hmm. evolves, uh, things get stale. Big reboots happen. They, you know, they mm-hmm. start over, do all kinds of things. Yes, crazy they stuff. throw out the reboot and reboot again. Yeah. <laughs> but the book continues forever. Yeah. Um, you know, to be able to have Invincible be a story with a beginning, middle, and an end to play against type when, it, you know, even when it comes to how superhero stories are told, I think was really cool. Um, you know, I'm really happy with how it ended. I think it's, uh, you know, it, it was really satisfying to be able to wrap the story up and in the way that we wanted to and, and know that we could kind of tie a bow on it and, and have this, uh, you know, like massive story arc that, you know, really kind of shows the evolution of Mark Grayson from, you know, teenager to adulthood and, and everything in between and all the different things that happened to him, like watching him grow and mature. Like that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. Having the show or having the series wrapped up as far as adapting it goes uh, is a tremendous gift because unlike The Walking Dead, we're able to even from the development of the first season go, OK, well, this is important because this comes back in issue 96 and we know that, you know, by the end of the series, we need to be here. And so we know the exact importance of every beat in that story, and mm-hmm. we can even streamline things and improve things along the way because we know the exact endpoint. And, you know, we didn't really have that on Walking Dead because I was halfway through the run when we were doing that series. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's, it, it, it's, it's great to have the complete package that, you know, that we can adapt from. Oh, great, great. And I guess, um, um, I mean, one last thing, um, Oh, like, you know what? I lost my train of thought. Um, I'll give you time to pick it up. Well, um, that's odd. Anyway, um, uh, uh, what happened? Yeah, I, you know what? I lost my train of thought there. Um, tell you what, let's wrap this up. And what I, you know, this is a, a question that I just out of the blue because, uh, Skybound announced that they're doing this somewhat unusual. They're allowing the public Become in, become investors in Skybound Entertainment, which, as you mentioned before, and Skybound is not just a comics company; it's an entertainment company, a multimedia yeah. entertainment company. So this is a, I don't know, this is kind of equity crowdfunding of some kind of where you, your, the fans um, can become, uh, I guess, kind of a a shareholder in Skybound. Yeah, I mean, Skybound has always been a, a, a fan first company. Uh, you know, we, we've included fans like every step of the way with, uh, you know, ex- you know, like interacting with them at conventions and getting feedback from them. I mean, even to the earliest comics, uh, it's been all about the letters columns and being able to have those interactions and to be able to, uh, uh, you know, give fans a seat at the table and let them be a part of the company, I think is, is really exciting. And, uh, you know, we're kind of at an inflection point as a company where, uh, you know, everything that we're doing is getting so big and crazy that we're, you know, possibly going to be able to do things that are even bigger and crazier. We've got, you know, this, our first big studio movie with Renfield coming out and we're ramping up. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Season two. And, uh, you know, we've got, that's what I wanted to ask you. I wanted to ask you about an invincible, I hear there's an invincible movie coming along, but that's, <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I mean, we're also in development on the invincible live action movie. Oh, great. Uh, so that's, so that's going to be cool. Um, and, uh, you know, to be able to, uh, uh, you know, make the fans be a part of this as we're trying to like, you know, raise money to do crazier and bigger things, mm-hmm. video games and television yeah. movies. Uh, you know, I think it's, it's really exciting and it, it's, it's, you know, very early on in the life of this company. 
Uh, and so it's, it's almost an opportunity to kind of get in on the ground floor. So I think it's a, I think it's a cool thing to be able to do. Great. You know what? I couldn't agree with you more. So look, Hey, I couldn't have asked for more. Robert, look, thank you so much. Thank you for being on more to come. And as soon as I finish this, I'm going to go finish season one of, uh, Invincible on, on Amazon Prime. Yes. <laughs> Please do. So this has you've been great. Thanks so much, man. To finish it before season two comes out. Yeah, that's right. Which has been what you've been renewed for season two and season three, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, we have. All right, Thank that you. sounds great. I got a lot of a lot of good animation in my future. Robert, All thank right. you so much. Thank you, man. It was great talking to you. Fun. Take care. All right. Bye.